Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, September 30th, marks our 162nd program. So today's featured Actus solution, which you can see on the screen there, is the 2021 Actus Pocket Guide. The 2021 Actus Pocket Guide is your essential CDI resource. It includes updates to clinical diagnostic standards, the official coding guidelines, ICD-10-CM codes, CMS-HCCs, and CDI critical thinking tips. This pocket guide is written by our familiar CDI Education Director, Laurie Prescott, as well as a practicing physician steeped in the latest physician documentation terminology, James Manns. So be sure to include the number one CDI resource in your library today. What you guys all to know is a very special bonus with the purchase of the uh, print pocket guide. You'll also have access to the content and a brand new interactive customizable online tool which will allow you to easily access your favorite CDI information anywhere and anytime. Um, if you haven't yet seen too, we're doing a short demo about this product um, coming up on October 6th. It's a free 30 minute Q&A session with the authors and myself. We've been emailing about it, but go ahead and check out actus.org and how to sign up for that show coming up on August 6th. We'll be recording it. You can learn a lot more about this new pocket guide that we're so excited about. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Value of CDI NYU Langone Case Study. I'm joined today by my familiar co-host at left, uh, Don Valdez. Don's a CDI Education Specialist for here, us here at Actus, where she serves as a full-time instructor for our CDI boot camps and a subject matter expert. Thrilled to have her back on the show, so welcome, Don. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Absolutely. All right, next I'd like to introduce, we have two special guests joining us today. Uh, first is Christopher Petrilli, MD, SFHM, and also a newly minted CCDS. So no, we didn't even make that, didn't even make the slide today, <laughs> but I'm very pleased to have him on. Uh, Dr. Petrilli is an assistant professor for the Department of Medicine and the clinical lead of value-based management for NYU Langone Health in Manhattan. He's also the medical director of CD, CDI at NYU Langone, another recent update. Um, he's, a, he's board certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine and practices as a hospitalist. He's a graduate of Georgetown University, completed his residency for University of Michigan Hospitals and in Internal Medicine in 2015 and chief residency in 2016. Thrilled to have him on the show. Uh, welcome, Dr. Petrilli. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Definitely. And uh, here on our first show, as I learned, is uh, a very familiar face in active circles, Arena Zeusman, uh, RHIA, CCS, and CCDS. Arena is the director of HIM coding and CDI initiatives, also for NYU Langone Health in New York City. Arena has more than 25 years of HIM experience and uses her blend of clinical and CDI skills to advance data analytics and validate the importance of documentation and coding. Um, she's been real busy in Actus circles. She currently serves on our Actus Advisory Board, CCDS Certification Committee. Uh, probably heard her on many of our programs, and I'm thrilled to have her on her first podcast. So welcome, Irina. 
Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, we're going to start with our uh, poll question related to today's topic. So I'm going to get that launched on your screen. You guys should be seeing that now. Um, and the question reads, how would you describe the perception of value by your hospital or organizational administration of your CDI department? Would you say they, your, that your administration perceives CDI as extremely valuable and or indispensable to your organization? Maybe they perceive your CDI department as somewhat valuable. Um, do they perceive uh, your department as low value and or maybe you're just flying under the radar of your hospital administration? Not applicable. As I always say, not all of our audience is, is working in a hospital setting or don't know. Again, how would you describe the perception of value by your hospital uh, or organization administration of your CDI department? Uh, extremely valuable, somewhat valuable, low value, under the radar, not applicable or don't know. All right, we've got quite a bit of our audience has voted about 75%. So I'm gonna go ahead, close that out. And we will of course, come back to these results in just a few minutes. All right, as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Chris Petrilli and Irina Zusman from NYU Langone here today, a special guest, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Um, let's start with some just some context about the CDI program uh, at NYU Langone. This is going to be the subject of our show today. So maybe I'll just turn it over to Arena to give us some, some background about uh, the number of facilities you have, the beds you cover, uh, staffing, and, and especially whom you does your department report to uh, within the organization. Uh, thank you, Brian. At this moment, our hospital system and Vajulangon Health consists of four facilities with approximately 2,300 inpatient beds. CDI team has 55 FTEs, uh, which include the director, assistant director, site managers, and CDI coding liaisons. This is this position is unique for our institution and also regular CDI staff. Our CDI director reports to me, and I'm in charge of both CDI and coding. And at this moment, Brian, I think you know me well, I'm very big uh, enthusiast of coding and CDI working cohesively. So I want to use this opportunity just to state again that putting CDI and coding under the same umbrella worked very well for our organization. Mm -hmm. I report to the senior director of HIM, and she reports to the senior uh, VP of finance. Uh, our program uh, exists for 11 years, and from the day one, both my senior director and our VP have been extremely supportive of it. That's great. Thanks, Serena. Yeah, and I, and I completely agree about the... Uh coding and CDI working closely together. And it's interesting too, that you're an RHIA CCS by, by background but, and uh, have some amazing CDI skills to boot. So that, that's, that speaks well. 
Yes, absolutely. This is Dawn Irene. I'll, I'll back that up. I also understand that you have a CDI impact report and, you know, metrics is always a hot topic. So can you explain what your impact report is, specifically what you track and report and what's your principal metric that you find for success? And then when you're done, Dr. Petrelli, if you want to add anything, feel free to do so. Um, okay, Don. So our report went through different stages as the program was developing. From the inception, we started reporting dollar impact and difference in severity of illness and risk of mortality associated with APR DRGs. Later, we have expanded into review of hospital acquired conditions and patient safety indicators. So we added the data on how many of these conditions were avoided, I mean, reporting was avoided due to our review and clarification of pertaining documentation. This year, uh, we have implemented comprehensive review for visit risk adjustment mortality. So this data will be incorporated also into our report uh, from the start of the new financial year. This is how we usually complete our reports. Uh, it is difficult to say which metric is more important, but I would say that reimbursement is one of the most significant metrics. And from my experience, I know that this is a sensitive topic and many clinical documentation specialists don't feel comfortable talking about money. And obviously, it goes without saying, we are taking care of much more than just reimbursement. However, in bad times, like for example now, the money we bring can decide whether the hospital continues to exist or goes under. I stated it previously and just want to repeat it again that money helps small hospitals to survive and help big academic medical centers to carry on their research. Uh, I just want to share some personal um, uh, thing that happened many years ago. Uh, we were presenting to the neurosurgery department and the chief of neurosurgery at that time uh, took the podium after our presentation and just told his team, did you hear this? Listen to them. If you want your toys, listen to them and do um, uh, what they ask you to do. So, you know, at that time, that made my day. Uh, so I just want to say, because I know again that this topic was discussed many times during the board meetings and uh, during some other active gathering, uh, especially to those who are coming from the bedside. You used to care for the health of your patients and now you care about the health and stability of your organization. So you're still helping your patients, and, but in a different way. So there is nothing wrong about talking and uh, uh, incorporating money into your day work. Our leadership also cares very much about hospital reputation. So the quality metrics are extremely important. And uh, Dr. Petrilli pioneered many quality initiatives 
So I just want to defer to him for further discussion. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Dr. Petrilli? Sure. Thank you, Irina. Um, that was actually a great <laughs> explanation of, about some of the principal metrics for success. Um, I, I will say that uh, I completely agree that while the financial uh, reimbursement metrics are extremely important, they, I mean, the, without um, adequate reimbursement, we can't really even keep the lights on So uh, and support the other missions that an academic center um, really strives to, uh, to meet. The, I would say that one of the best things about our CDI program is we are constantly looking on how we can improve from the entire process, from documentation to final coding and, and, and denial mitigation. So one of the things we're actually developing now we're, uh, is a report to, kind of, to track not only the outcome metrics of reimbursement and uh, reputational scores from external reporting agencies, but also for um, uh, the process along the way. So we know we can track a lot of what the providers document uh, because we do ask that they uh, document certain things in discrete fields. So we, we can create a report that uh, describes what is the exact wording that the providers used. And then we can look to see um, if some of the wording was ambiguous, how many, which diagnoses were then queried by the CDI team, and then how, the, how each provider responded, uh, which codes ended up on the final bill, and then if, which of those codes, if any, uh, were denied by, by certain payers. So we can take all that information and really do, uh, we, have, we do a great job about uh, really digging deep into, it, or is it a certain provider that's, that needs more tailored education? Um, if if uh, some CDI people are really good about querying providers for ambiguous language for certain diagnoses and, and others might not think to think about those because of our new focus on quality metrics. So they might they may have already gotten to a point where the chart is pretty is very well coded, um, uh, but there's some uh, diagnoses that may impact some of the quality metrics that are ambiguous and can't currently be coded. Um, so knowing that there are some CDI people that uh, we've looked for bright spots and then uh, Arena does a fantastic job with her team in terms of spreading that education so, and everyone gets on board very quickly. So it's, it's really continuous improvement from the provider documentation uh, all the way through. And if there are certain uh, diagnosis codes or DRGs that we see are downgraded, then we do a, a job to make sure that the providers are further strengthening their documentation. So I would say that not only the outcome metrics, but the process metrics are also uh, very important uh, for not only improvement of clinical documentation and, and their associated uh, end outcomes, but also to try to improve the entire process. So, uh, if if uh, institutions can uh, can create reports like that, I think that they would be very helpful to help the entire uh, workflow stream. I love what you're saying there. I think the reporting mechanism and the follow up with the education really is key and paramount to both CDI and providers. So. Great, great program it sounds like you guys have. Thank you so much. Yeah, and interesting how you can get it all the way down to the individual provider level and use that mm -hmm. for feedback. Um, 
But just curious, and maybe we can stay with you for a moment, Dr. Petrilli, you know, just so you got this great data, these reports you're, you're generating. Um, who, who are the stakeholders in your organization that need to know this information and, and how do you communicate to them? Um, do you guys do quarterly meetings? Do you have more often or yeah, so, now emailing? Yeah. Go ahead. So we, uh, yes to everything. So <laughs> our, our leadership is very uh, invested in, in the, both the process and the outcome metrics of, of CDI. So as my role as medical director of CDI, uh, I report to uh, Fritz Francois, who's our chief medical officer, and also to um, uh, and also to finance. So I have kind of two reporting lines. I mean, bottom line is Arena is pretty much the boss of me and anything she says, because she has much more experience and knowledge than I do about some of the specific details. Um, uh, but uh, those, so since we have the clinic, I have a, we have a clinical reporting line and a finance reporting line and the chief quality officer is also uh, very heavily involved. We actually have um, uh, weekly meetings um, to uh, report on our progress, report on any uh, issues that have come up, what, what we're doing to improve uh, provider education for uh, strengthening their documentation, making things less ambiguous um, and really trying to get, make it as easy as possible for providers to document the right thing so that um, we can, so Arena can use her team to really look for um, opportunities uh, aside from just trying to clean up Eurosepsis or other very, uh, very frequently uh, uh, poorly documented conditions. And they could focus on making sure that the quality metrics and other things to strengthen uh, the documentation even further are done. So it's it's we like we like to educate our providers as much as possible, so that CDI can then take our uh, documentation to the next level with effective queries. And I think that these weekly meetings that we have, uh, we get great insight from the quality uh, from the chief quality officer Il Sung Cho. Um, we have Arena's entire team um, is 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 a big part of these meetings. Everyone has a lot of questions for them to, and uh, they do a great job of educating uh, the the clinical side, the quality side, and hospital operations as well. So her team is absolutely fantastic, and I think the very frequent communications is what makes us so successful. So it's not that we go, it's not that we have these quarterly meetings that are, we spend a week preparing a PowerPoint for them. And then we have, basically we have to do work and then things kind of fall off the radar until the next quarterly meeting. I really think very frequent meetings are what allow our CDI program to be very successful because we're given uh, feedback about what do, what does leadership really care about? So if there are certain trade-offs that need to be made um, or certain uh, educational uh, priorities that we need to do either on the provider side, that they can help us say, we would rather use the X number of time that you have in a given week to focus on these areas for provider education. So I think that that would, that would be my biggest takeaway is have very frequent meetings that are, um, that provide uh, you can review some data if you want, but you really want it to be more of a discussion than a presentation. And it really does uh, 
allow leadership to build a consensus and you all feel like you're part of the same team as opposed to you presenting to leadership. So that would be my suggestion for other health systems out there that are that are looking for ways to try to um, show that CDI really is uh, beneficial. I know uh, panelists weren't allowed to uh, click on that poll, but I will say that our CDI program is um, extremely valued uh, and we have an amazing team and it's a real pleasure to work with Arena and, and the rest of her team every That's day. Great. Just a quick clarifying question, Dr. Petrilli, who, who, um, who are the weekly meetings with again? Who, who's in there? You mentioned you have a lot so of them. There's actually, yeah, so there, now that it's on WebEx, we, <laughs> it seems that it's expanded quick, quickly. Um, there are about 80 people on the invite list, but that includes the chief medical officer, um, the senior vice president for finance is, is invited, uh, but again, his entire CDI team is there. Um, so um, we also have other areas in finance, uh, decision support that helps build dashboards to track our progress, uh, hospital operations, including the chief operating officer, uh, Robert Zerfolio, uh, chief medical officer, Fritz Francois, chief quality officer, and each of those uh, C-suite uh, people invite several people within their group. And then we also have an institution-wide strategy team that reports directly to our dean and CEO, and they're also at these meetings to make sure that even this, at that CEO level that they're, he's updated as well through them. Wow. Okay. Thank you. That's what I say. Wow. That is <laughs> awesome. That is amazing, actually. And I think that the open communication really breaks down the silos that you see so often, you know, where you don't know what the other one is doing, you know, the other departments such as quality or whatever. So it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. I think, too, when you're dealing with so many different stakeholders, you know, everybody has a different focus when they, you know, as far as their stake and their investment in the program. So I think one of the challenges that I think everybody really has to deal with is having these different stakeholders, different priorities, and then all having, you know, different goals. So my question kind of segues into this and it's two part what has been the most effective topic of value that you've communicated to everyone in these meetings and is there a topic that you recommend staying away from when you have so many people on the calls at the same time this is for dr petrelli i'm sorry <laughs> probably a lot that we should stay away from how <clears throat> However, we do try to make these meetings as open and candid as possible because what we don't want is, um, I don't want to call it Monday morning quarterbacking, but we don't want someone, uh, we don't want to have a, a clear plan that everyone has built a consensus around. And then um, if we haven't talked about a topic, it comes up uh, later and then it's more of a, well, why didn't we learn about this before? So we really like to get all the cards out on the table at, uh, in each of these weekly meetings so that they can decide. And, and Arena's team actually does a, a fantastic job. So when we, whenever we have, uh, if there's equivalent DRGs um, for or the two possible principal diagnoses, um, we'll, we'll use that as an example and say, given our current um, uh, priorities, we would, uh, these two, both DRGs could be included, one, may have a, 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 a potential to impact in a positive way one department, 
one could have a potential impact a positive way another department how are we uh, prioritizing these since they are from a cdi definition equivalent so i think just again her team does a very good job of providing these analyses so that it's very clear what the trade-offs are for for given decisions that could be made and then uh arena then educates the cd entire cdi team about how to how to uh, handle these should they come up in the future so i would say there's really nothing that should be off the table and open communication is going to be the the best for long-term success i love the transparency i i think it allows you to really roll up your sleeves and really get to the heart of matters you know without anyone um, being left out so that you can get all perspectives in on that so great job thank you so much for sharing yeah all right, well, we're down to about the, the final few minutes of our show, so we're gonna um, just hop over to our poll results, and, and uh, you just alluded to this a minute ago, Dr. Petrilli. Let's take a look to see how our audience answered this question. So we asked them, how would you describe the perception of value by your hospital uh, administration of your CDI department? So a pretty even split there at the top, 43%, slight majority said we perceive CDIs, uh, they perceive CDI, excuse me, as extremely valuable. So that's good news. 42% uh, of our listeners say their hospital administration perceives CDI as somewhat valuable. 9%, uh, almost 10% um, perceive CDI as low value or it's under the radar. 3% not applicable and 4% and don't know. So curious what you think, um, Irene, or maybe we could start with you and then Dr. Petrilli of, of our survey results. Um, well, Brian, being an ARGIS member for many years and watching similar polls for a very long time, I think it's a positive movement. I think that in previous years, and I I don't know, you will, you will have to confirm uh, because you obviously have more information, but in previous years, much less facilities reported CDI as extremely valuable. So it looks like a positive movement in the right direction that more and more facilities uh, understand the final value of CDI and uh, value their team more. They this is actually a great finding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any, anything to add there, Dr. Petrilli, from your perspective of the poll? Yeah, I would just say again, I think here they're extremely valued and I would say are considered indispensable. Um, and I think that even though 42% of the people, and I think it's a very positive thing that uh, they, the CDI is perceived as somewhat valuable, um, and even those that, are, that feel that CDI is under the radar, I think one of the ways to kind of make yourselves indispensable or to move from feeling under the radar to valued and, and, and then indispensable is really to meet with each of the clinical leads and show what the actual value that you add is. So if you can define uh, clear metrics, I think one of the best things to show is um, uh, the number of queries that are, that are agreed to by a provider and you could say, listen, we are reviewing these charts. You're, you guys are doing a great job taking care of these patients. We understand that documentation is difficult um, and provide educational sessions because, for instance, urosepsis is the one that we, I see all the time. 
and uh, and there's even other queries. I mean, I'm the medical director of CDI, and Arena's team still queries me when I'm taking care of patients, and <laughs> I thank them every time because I know that they're doing that so that we can um, get paid for the work that we're already doing. So by having more, by having stronger documentation, uh, you're able to uh, optimize your reimbursement, and your hospital will look better from an external reporting metric also. So if, if you know that that's what CDI can do for you and you know that not every single provider is gonna know every single rule about how to optimize their documentation or they just might not have time, having that second look by a CDI specialist is really going to strengthen your documentation, making sure that the integrity of the chart is, is maintained and and it'll improve both reimbursement and external reporting ranking. So I, I can't stress enough how CDI is invaluable, and I think it's just important to get every health system to realize that. Right. Well said, well said. Very well said. Well, thanks, uh, Dr. Petrilli, for that, and Arena, for your feedback there. Um, and I won't, I won't ask you what, uh, what your top query that you get is. We'll, we'll leave that for another particular. <laughs> But I, I, I wanted to just briefly end with a brief but important uh, Actus update here. We're skipping our usual in the news segment because a couple of things I really wanted to cover. I'm going to ask our listeners for their help with. Um, so we have some some news to announce about our 2021 live event plans, but we do need your help. Uh, yesterday, in case you missed it, we sent out an important email um, that we're moving ahead with our 2021 event plans. So right here at the top of actus.org, you will see 2021 Actus um, speaker proposals. So you can click here and apply to speak at our conference next year. Right now, we're scheduled for, for May in Dallas. We're realizing this is an evolving situation with the COVID pandemic, but we need to plan for a bright future and for the potential of getting back together in person. So we are encouraging folks to submit their speaker application for 2021. Um, and the, there's, there are lots of ways we can use your application, include, including for potential virtual programs. So uh, we're, we are asking you to get those in and be part of the great program we have to offer. The uh, application applications are due end of day, Thursday, October 15th. So check that out. And while you're there, and this is just the actus.org homepage, we also have here a 2021 Actus Travel Plan Survey. This is invaluable. This is a 10 question survey. We're asking folks about what their organization's current travel restrictions are and, and what 2021 might look like. If you in fact have a crystal ball, we'd love to have you weigh in on this survey. This is gonna help us plan our events for next year. It's critical, the more data we have, the better informed decisions we can make about programming in 2021. Um, and last thing to wrap up on, we've got a, an important local chapter meeting that I wanted to alert you to. Tennessee Chapter of Actus is hosting a virtual half day of programming Friday, October 2nd from noon to 3.30. Uh, we'll include a link to that if you do wanna register in the show notes for this program. All right, that is going to do it for today's edition of the Actus podcast. Again, want to thank Arena and Dr. Petrilli for joining us today. We're going to be back here again in just one week um, for a special show on diversity and inclusion in CDI with a member of our new diversity and inclusion task force. So you can listen to the show as a reminder uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or right here uh, using our um, 
our live program, uh, go to webinar program. Our, I will be recording some, uh, including some links that we discussed on today's show, like our speaker application link um, in the show notes. So check those out on actus.org. As always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, I'd love hearing from you. Send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it. Thanks again, Arena, Dr. Petrilli, and for everyone else, we'll see you back here again in one week. Take care, everyone. <laughs>